You are listening to Standing Firm with your host, Pastor James Brown, Jr. This podcast is brought to you by Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints, according to Paul's command in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to be on guard, to stand firm in the faith, to act like men, and to be strong. For more information, visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org. That is reformedholytrinity.org. Greetings in the name of Christ the King. This is your host for Standing Firm, Pastor James Brown, Jr. of Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity. We appreciate you tuning in as we begin a new year. And to start off the new year, we will begin a series of podcasts concerning Calvinism. We will be reviewing a series of YouTube videos by Matthew Stuckey of Verity Baptist Church in Manila. This will be the basis for our comments and responses. Now, what you need to know is that Stuckey and Verity Baptist Church Manila are part of the new IFB movement. IFB standing, of course, for Independent Fundamental Baptist. They pride themselves as some sort of new version, or new aberration, you might say, of the IFB movement. Although they claim to be a movement, their website actually functions as an association. It contains a statement of faith and a church directory. But since they claim to be independent, they have to call themselves a movement, and, you know, if you think about it, it is actually quite fitting. Now, their distinctions, as listed on their website, are as follows. First, there is faith alone for salvation. And what they mean by this is easy believism. They are not making some kind of affirmation of sola fide from the Reformation. Their idea of faith alone is the free will and power of a sinner to believe or to do that which is spiritually acceptable. And based upon their affirmation of belief, then God is required to grant them grace. It is a man-centered, licentious doctrine that denies the supernatural work of the triune God in saving undeserving sinners solely by his grace. Second, they affirm what they reference as once saved, always saved. Again, this is not some kind of version of the Reformed view of the preservation of the saints. It is, in fact, a libertine view that if a sinner professes belief, then he can continue to walk in the flesh. To them, belief is a work of man, and therefore there is no effective work of the triune God other than you get your ticket punched to heaven. Third, the King James Bible only. Now, they actually believe that unless you are called to believe by a soul winner using the King James Version, you cannot be saved. And then there is their affirmation of the Trinity, and we are very thankful that they profess a belief in the Trinity, but at the same time, it remains to be seen what they actually understand and mean by this. And then another affirmation is soul winning amongst their distinctives. Their idea of soul winning is that you actually have the ability to save someone by leading them to the Lord. One preacher actually said that if you give him five minutes, he can get anybody saved. And then there is their distinction of hard preaching. 
It does not matter the ability or the content just as long as it is hard, whatever that means. And then there, another distinction that they profess is anti-worldliness. Although they are libertine in their view of soteriology, they also hold to an extreme form of separation from the world. As is usually the case with libertines, they are very man-made works oriented. They deny lordship salvation, but demand obedience to their man-made rules. And then there is their distinction that leads us to this series of anti-Calvinism. And because we will be dealing with this in this series of podcasts, um, we will, you know, be speaking to this uh, more in depth. But they view Calvinists as public enemy number one. And then another distinction is anti-dispensationalism. Although they still possess many of the characteristics of dispensationalism, especially the practical aspects, they oppose the traditional dispensation, uh, dispensationalism of the so-called old IFB. So really it's just a reaction against some of the things that they dislike amongst the old IFB. And another distinction that goes along with that that they list is anti-Zionism. Uh, this is one of the main things that they oppose in the traditional dispensational model. They are definitely not Zionists, but they take this so far that it ends up uh, being very anti-Semitic, at least in the attitudes of those who, uh, of, of their adherents. And then another distinction that goes along with this is the post-trib pre-wrath rapture. This is another one of their eschatological distinctions that they think distinguishes them from dispensationalism. And while it does separate them from the traditional IFB understanding of the rapture, it is still a dispensational rapture view, even if it's new to them. So, you know, it's new to them, so they think it's something new. No one else has ever uh, thought of this before, or held to it, and so forth. But that is actually not the case. Now... Their claim to fame has been such memorable moments like when its Pope, Pastor Stephen Anderson, affectionately referred to by some as Slanderson, he was tased by the Border Patrol in Arizona, which is the highest and most coveted honor among the new IFB. As a matter of fact, it is so coveted that many are still trying to get in confrontational situations with the police in order to get their name recognized in this prestigious new IFB qualification for sainthood. Of course, if someone is able to one-up Anderson, and we're not sure if this will create a new movement or not, or uh, create a movement to get them recognized as the new IFB Pope or whatever the case may be. So that might be an interesting development as time goes along. Then there were the members of one church getting arrested for trespassing while singing Christmas carols because nothing says peace on earth, goodwill toward men, quite like trespassing while singing Silent Night, Holy Night. Another memorable moment was Pastor Anderson nearly getting arrested for trespassing for refusing to leave private property as he was out 
soul winning, as of course it was requested by the property owners during one of their endeavors. Because we know that Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye um, um, do not depart out of that house, trespass and refuse to leave, even if the police compel you. Well, of course, that's not exactly what Jesus said, but, you know, it's not stopped them in any other category either from actually um, adhering to the word of God. And they can just insert their own ideas and opinions into the text whenever they want to. But their most prestigious claim to fame has been of recent origin, and that is the slander that they've been spewing out against Dr. James White and Pastor Jeff Durbin from Apologia Church. Their slanderous and childish behavior in this is becoming legendary. Now, the new IFB is definitely a loose cannon, but they should not simply be dismissed as the crackpots that they most certainly are. They are, in fact, dangerous, and they are growing in influence and size amongst Baptists. Now, obviously, there are ecclesiastical and cultural reasons for this rise, but I want to deal with one of the challenges that they have made against Calvinism. There is plenty of material to choose from, as they have made it their mission to go to war against Calvinism. It is, in fact, one of their distinctives, as we stated earlier. The website for the new IFB movement, and of course, all their specific websites, YouTube channels, and social media feeds are full of anti-Calvinist rhetoric. They state that they reject all five points of Calvinism. And the series of anti-Calvinist rants that we are going to be dealing with um, utilizes the TULIP acronym. And so it gives us the best overall statement on Calvinism in concise video representations that they have made. Now this is the reason why we have chose this series in which to base ours. Plus, because it is short and concise, it does not contain all the crazy statements and the bizarre conspiracy theories. The point of Pastor Stuckey's videos are supposedly, although extremely inaccurate, inconsistent, and out of context, to prove their case from the Bible. Now, this is not to say that there are not plenty of crazy and bizarre statements in these short videos. Some might even suppose that we are going after low-hanging low fruit, but, you know, rest assured, the biblical and logical evidence given is commonly found throughout the movement, but it's also what you will commonly come up against out in the general public. Now, we're not going to be getting sidetracked by all the absurdity found in the movement um, not only on this, but many other topics, except for those things that are found in the videos. So let's get some of the nonsense out of the way before we jump right into these videos. One of the most evil displays of their wicked doctrines is their treatment of Dr. James White and Pastor Jeff Durbin. They have called White and Durbin heretics for believing and 
preaching the biblical doctrines of justification and sanctification. And they probably don't even understand the distinction. But um, And then they have accused them of such crazy, absurd accusations such as being homosexuals. Both charges, though, they are of a different sort. And even though they are different, they would still be laughable if it wasn't such a serious matter. But, you know, it's no wonder since they call Charles Spurgeon a pervert. As a matter of fact, anybody that they do not like, they just call them a pervert. So Charles Spurgeon's a pervert. John Calvin's a pervert. Um, Everybody who is a Calvinist is a pervert. And so they say Charles Spurgeon is too a pervert and is burning in hell. I mean, if they believe Charles Spurgeon is a damnable reprobate, then there is really no hope for us, even though they are the ones who preach and teach the damnable doctrine of easy believism. But the fact is, their easy believism applies to everyone but Calvinists. I mean, because if you think about the easy believism doctrine, you know, they claim it's so easy that even a pornographer can be saved and continue to be a pornographer. But if a Calvinist, well, not so much, because there's no hope for Calvinists. So a pornographer can believe and still continue to be a pornographer and to be saved, but a Calvinist can believe and he's still going to hell. And so we should qualify our statement about pornographers and other sexual perverts. You know, they can be saved as long as, you know, and, and, and I'm talking about in their point of view, I'm talking about the new IFB. You know, they can be saved as long as the presentation for them to get their ticket punched was presented from a King James version of the Bible. So I guess that's the reason why a lot of Calvinists are going to hell, um, because they believed, but they didn't uh, actually believe upon the King James version of the Bible. So they have a very wacky view of translations, especially in relation to salvation. Uh, They do not believe that anyone can be saved from any other version. Even if it is the very same presentation of easy believism that they espouse themselves. So I guess the these and the thous are really the only effectual part of the word. Now, they also have their own version of clean eating and anti-vaccinations and other snake oil mentalities, plus many kooky conspiracy theories. But the new IFB is really just the millennial version of the old IFB in many respects. It's the millennial oddities combined with the IFB movement of the past, according to their presuppositions and worldview. So, Let's not forget the old IFB in this discussion. Uh, For they are the ones that we should actually thank for this new IFB freak of nature. Now, although the old IFB, or I should say many in the old IFB and the new IFB hate each other, and of course there are the ones in the middle who may be old IFB but sympathetic to some of the tenets of the new IFB, the fact is, though, Because the old IFB refused to deal with certain heresies, immoral behavior, and just bizarre ideas and behavior that we now have to deal with the new IFB. I know this because I was raised in the old IFB movement. So let me 
say that there are some really good people, and by good I mean in human standards, because there's none who are actually good but God. But there are some good old IFB people, uh, many of whom I believe love the Lord and are faithfully serving Him. So I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush and paint everyone in the old IFB as being heretics or even as being as weird as the new IFB. But the fact is that there was a substantial number of heretics and weirdos who were never dealt with in the old IFB. Many times they were the leaders of the old IFB and um, everyone gave them a pass because they built big churches or they preached in a manner that was glamorized to the point that their failings were overlooked. But let me repeat, I believe that there are faithful Christians in the old IFB. I know this for a fact. I was raised among them, began my ministry in the IFB, and continue to be friends with the best of them. But I also know the other side to this equation, and that as a whole, the bad in the movement far outweighs the good, and that has been historically true as well. The IFB was an extreme aberration of the fundamentalist movement, which in and of itself was riddled with problems. But it just keeps getting worse. And now the new IFB is the Frankenstein of the fundamentalist and IFB movements. It is as if the new IFB is the freakish inbred offspring of its parents. Therefore, it's going to seem like I have it in for the fundamentalist movement and especially the Baptist version of it. But that is not the case. I'm very thankful for my upbringing and for the fundamentalist who did in various ways contend for the faith. However, I was raised in an environment that was not part of some of these absurdities even though we were attached to them in the overall movement. My father has been a faithful pastor of an IFB church, and none of my comments are in any way depicting him. I was not raised in the anti-lordship, anti-repentance camp of the F IFB. We were opposed to them. Neither am I trying to settle old scores or anything of the like. I am focusing on the new IFB because it has reached a point that it must be opposed with all of our might. It is dangerous and heretical. Now, on the flip side, I trust in the sovereignty of God and understand that the new IFB is going to become, as Dr. White has said, a factory for every sort of thing that the new IFB is opposed to. The more the new IFB opposes Reformed theology, and the more we give a biblical answer to these questions, their adherents will be faced with the dilemma. A dilemma that the new IFB is not capable of responding to. So, you might say, in a sense, the new IFB is actually our greatest evangelist for Reformed theology. Not because of the depth of their doctrines and practices, but actually because of the shallowness of them. See, the new IFB is nothing but loud flashbangs and smoke. They pretend to be all bad and bold, but really they're just cowards. They refuse to have any type of organized discussion because they know that their arguments cannot hold up to scrutiny. They prefer barroom brawls. 
That way they can sucker punch and gang up on people rather than getting in the ring for an actual organized competitive display of truth. And that is fine as far as I am concerned because barroom brawls do not bother me. You may think that you are manly because you can scream and turn over tables and break bottles. But I can do that too. And I will stand face to face with any of them because what I believe you will find is that they are all talk. Just like any bully, all you have to do is back them down and they will either become your friend or they will withdraw in isolation due to shame. Now, they want to talk all big and bad. But I suspect many of them were the kids that everyone picked on. But no one cared to defend because they were actually getting what was coming to them because of their big mouths and wimpy, whiny, pretentious, alpha male masquerade. I mean, what is it with all these wannabe alpha males and their hyper-machoism? I mean, it's a joke. These new IFB YouTube legends in their own mind are about as alpha as alfalfa on the little rascals. I suspect many of them were the kid who never would or could do anything about it, but would run off crying that they were going to tell their mommy after they got their butt kicked for running their mouth. Now, I never have liked bullies and would defend the weak. But there were people like these guys. Due to their tattletelling, backstabbing, bully wannabe actions, who deserved the thumping that they got on the playground. You see, they wanted to be part of the, cruel, uh, the cool crowd, as they thought of the cool crowd to be, and whatever that was in their experience. And thought that being cool meant being a bully. And now because of their wimpiness, they are overcompensating, thinking that this will somehow win them the big man status. My hope is that they will one day become our friends. I do not wish them any harm or evil, unlike them. They have stated repeatedly that they hope for the damnation, not the salvation, but the the damnation, both temporally and eternally, of people like me. That is not by desire, but I hope that God will grant them repentance. Nevertheless, I am playing the long game, and they will either become the friends of truth or they will withdraw in shame. Others may pick up their mantle, but their end will not be pleasant in this life or the next if they do not repent. Now, we have seen this over and over again. Those who pick up the banner of the gospel of licentiousness, they end up in jail, they end up in the gutter, they end up in transvestite whorehouses, they end up in HIV clinics, or in atheistic despair. You see, the way that they have chosen has an inevitable end, as we are told in Proverbs 14.2, that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Wherever you see the combination of antinomianism, asceticism, and anti-lordship, you had better run as far away from these things as you can. 
It is the unholy trinity of religious debauchery. These three things justify and enable the lack of grace and truth in the lives of those who follow its damnable lies, and it produces a path of destruction so wide it makes the highway of death in the first Gulf War seem like a friendly barbecue. So, with all of that out of the way, the reason why we are dealing with this is, first of all, to give a reasoned response from the scriptures concerning the truth. Second, we have a concern for those in this movement and those who are or will be affected by it. So let's consider the first clip from this series called Calvinism Exposed, which is just an introduction and does not have much in the way of content, but it gives us a little insight into the motivation behind the series that we will be dealing with in upcoming future podcasts. Matthew Sucky here from Verity Baptist Manila, and I'm excited to announce to you a new series we're going to be doing on this channel on the topic of Calvinism. Now, Calvinism has really always been the topic, the false doctrine that really kind of angers me the most, and I think it's a very dangerous and subtle doc doctrine, and I think it's very important that we understand this from a biblical perspective. We should point out that the new IFB seems to have made it their life mission to attack Calvinism. This is one of the reasons for Mr. Stuckey's evident hostility against Calvinism and against Calvinists. It has become the hobby horse of Steven Anderson, as we have seen in the barrage of YouTube videos. And of course, it is the hobby horse of every Anderson wannabe. This is how you can always tell who is the reigning pope in these, these movements such as this. All of his followers want to look like him, they want to sound like him, and to be his champion in slaying his enemies. This is why one of their actual doctrinal distinctions is hard preaching. <laughs> Not because you can, you can find a uh, doctrinal exposition of this in the scriptures. It is because it's a distinction of Stephen Anderson. And so it's became one of their cardinal doctrines. There is no concern as to the content, as long as it's hard preaching, whatever that is in their minds, which viewing all the YouTube videos just is screaming and yelling and some kind of crazy antics thrown in along the way. But there is a theological reason. Even though it's kind of laughable to use theological in any connection to the new IFB movement, but because of their rejection uh, of doctrinal category distinctions, and because of their easy believism, and their fierce opposition to repentance, they have to be focused on Calvinism and Reformed theology. You see, we are their arch rivals, which ought to tell everyone else a little something about the ultimate two choices. Now, the new IFB, especially in theological grounds, they are the antithesis of Reformed doctrines and practices. So, I do not mind all their slander, their ridiculous straw man argumentation, the use of feelings and emotions rather than logical understanding of the word of Scripture and all of their crazy antics that they are known for because it just shows that they have nothing of substance to offer. 
they actually give us credibility with all this foolishness. And the hope is that those who see this stuff for what it is will actually give us a fair hearing. Angers me the most, and I think it's a very dangerous and subtle doc doctrine, and I think it's very important that we understand this from a biblical perspective. I find it ironic that Mr. Stuckey would call Calvinism a dangerous doctrine when it is the theological system that established and built Christian Europe in the United States. It was only when these nations abandoned the Calvinistic system that they became irreligious, immoral, and reprobate. So it is one thing to say that you disagree with a point here or an emphasis there, and it's quite another to say that it is a dangerous doctrine. History has proven that it is the libertine doctrine, like the one Mr. Stuckey adheres to, that has proven to be dangerous. It is also the doctrine that we are warned against all throughout the scriptures. But we are going to follow through these videos as he makes his case, and by the end, we hope that you will see that his view does not stand up to scripture. Remember, he said a biblical perspective. And I actually do not think it will take long as we go through these things to see who is taking the scripture seriously and who is simply seeking to uphold their own presuppositions. And so this series is going to be a very long series. And the basic plan for the series is that I'm going to use their acronym, TULIP, and I'll have a series of videos on the T, a series of videos on the U, a series on the L, the I, the P, and then also a series of videos on kind of side topics, like the is God sovereign? You know, that's a big topic, but it doesn't necessarily fit into any of those categories specifically, but it fits into like all of them. Do we have free will or the logical arguments that Calvinists like to use and things like that? Logical arguments Calvinists like to use. Think about that. I mean, we cannot have that if you're from the IFB perspective because their arguments are illogical. This is just more of the anti-intellectualism that dominates movements like this. I mean, seriously, it is at times like a religion of ignorance where you glorify and worship the irrational. And so we're going to be doing that um, on this channel. And our plan is to upload basically one, maybe two videos a day because it's going to be a very long series. And so we're excited about that. And Now, we do not know how many videos we will be answering because it is a whole lot easier to produce a two-minute spontaneous off-the-top-of-your-head rant on certain passages or points than to actually take the time to exegete a passage. So I doubt if we will be able to keep up with um, his videos, especially since we are already several behind, but we will do our best to drop these episodes in a timely manner. It's an important topic because, you know, honestly, even people that aren't Calvinist oftentimes have Calvinistic philosophies in regards to soul winning and things like that. Just because of the fact they, they print a lot of books and they've heard a lot of stuff and they, they watch YouTube a lot with all kinds of different doctrines that they're learning and hearing. And a lot of people at our church are coming from Calvinistic backgrounds. And so we've really been kind of hammering that at church and we want to do a series to go super in depth because I don't want to just always preach on that topic at church. I want to focus more towards Catholicism and personal growth and things like that, which I think are more pertinent. But, you know, it's, a, it's an important topic at our church, so we're going to be going in depth on that and having a series. So I encourage you to just uh, stay tuned 
and watch for those videos. Thank you, and God bless. Hmm. A lot of people in their churches are coming from Calvinistic backgrounds. Not sure exactly what he means by that, because I seriously doubt if there are many coming from a robust form of Calvinism or Reformed theology. Now, if he's talking about Calvinistic being like the old IFB, well, okay, I, I can see that. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that Calvinists or Reformed folks do not move on to heretical views, apostasy, or whatever. It's not like once a Calvinist, always a Calvinist, but there are certain reactionary changes that do follow a logical pattern as far as human nature is concerned. And going from a strong Calvinistic or Reformed background to something like the new IFB, well, <laughs> that is usually not the standard route. And it, it, it's also important here to distinguish between Calvinism and Reformed. While to be Reformed in the biblical and the historical sense, you have to be a Calvinist, but one can be a Calvinist and not be Reformed. They are not synonymous terms, even though a consistent view and application of Calvinism does lead to Reformed theology and practice. There are a lot of people who want to unhitch Calvinism from Reformed theology and practice, and that is, of course, very unfortunate. This is problematic even among some of our Reformed Baptist brethren. Although they may claim the title of Reformed Baptist, there are actually those who are nothing more than Calvinistic, Independent, or Southern Baptist. Now, I'm thankful for their biblical soteriology, but that does not mean that they possess a Reformed understanding and view and practice of Reformed theology. Now, this is really evident in issues of ecclesiology like worship, the sacraments, and church discipline. And it is another distinction that many, like Stuckey, fail to understand. So, stay tuned, and please join us in our next episode as we continue to review Calvinism Exposed Clips. As Mr. Stuckey presents his first video on total depravity titled, Are All Believers Children of the Devil? We look forward to seeing you next time. You have been listening to Standing Firm with Pastor James Brown Jr., until we meet again, keep standing firm for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. God bless. Thank you for listening to Standing Firm. Please consider helping us in this battle for Christendom as we assault the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can write us at Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, P.O. Box 1125, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. That is Reformed Church of the Holy Trinity, P.O. Box 1125, Mooresville, Indiana, 46158. Or you can visit us online at reformedholytrinity.org.